Backstories is an annual multi-sided storytelling festival located in the suburbs of Perth and beyond. Produced by the team at Centre for Stories, Backstories gives community members the chance to spend an afternoon with friends and family in the comfort of a neighbour's backyard and enjoy hearing local music and stories from trained storytellers. Backstories was possible with generous support from our sponsors, Lottery West, the Department of Local Government, Sport and Cultural Industries and the Centre for Stories Founders Circle. This is a live recording of our Backstories event located in the suburb of Nedlands. Recorded on the 20th of March 2021, this afternoon featured live music from Wilton Kerr and emceeing from Sadia Ahmed. The story you're about to hear is from Eduardo. My brother and I are completely different people. My brother is really into sports and hanging out with the bros, and I couldn't care less about sports, especially team sports. My brother is straight, I'm gay. My brother is super confident, alpha male, and I'm like, yeah, yeah cool. And um, my brother also lives halfway across the globe in, in Brazil, and I have been living in Australia for the past six years. And despite all those differences, we came to surprisingly share the same profession. So we are both fully qualified criminal defense attorneys. And my brother is also um, a professor for criminal law at university. And I say it's surprising because um, I never really wanted to become a criminal defense attorney. It all sort of happened accidentally, really, because, you know, you accidentally study law for six years and then you <laughs> accidentally pass this really hard lawyer's bar exam and then all of a sudden you're practicing and you're like, I'm defending these people. Okay. Um, so this is, um, but for you guys to understand really this accident, I really have to take you back. So I was born in Brazil and I was born in Southern Brazil. And I usually give out this extra bit of information because Southern Brazil is a bit different. So when overseas people are usually traveling through Brazil uh, and then they, if they eventually get to Southern Brazil, they usually go, wow, everyone is white around here. And, and they are because in Southern Brazil, if you navigate a certain level of wealth, let's say, you only see white people. And that's just how Southern Brazil is. And so as you might have gathered, I don't really fit in that that group. So for the majority of my life in, in southern Brazil, I was the odd one out. And so was my brother and so was my family, really. And just to give you an idea of how, how this dynamic works. Um, so, um, for example, I was born into a very poor um, family in southern Brazil. And I, yeah, so I lived in a small town, inland Brazil, that whole thing. And I attended pub public school. And at that public school, I was defi definitely amongst the lightest-skinned people there. And I did really well at that school. And so my parents went, well, we might have to try and get you a scholarship and get you into private school so we can better your opportunities, right? So we worked really hard and I got that scholarship and I made it into private school. And I remember walking into private school and going, wow. I am top five darkest people here. Um, and this was, and this is just how Southern Brazil is, right? And this was suddenly my new environment because um, it wasn't, it felt like a complete different universe. Like this private school 
it was just a few kilometers away in a bigger city. So I would travel back and forth, back and forth every day. But it just felt like a completely different universe and a universe in which I didn't belong. And, but then at the same time, these were formative years, right? So this is from year eight onward. So this is when I'm starting to develop my own interests and my own likings. And I was absorbing a lot of this new environment, which had nothing to do with my life back home. So all of a sudden, I was really into theater and arts festivals. And I was reading all these books. And I wanted to learn French. And I wanted to learn English. And my friends would go, all go on to become lawyers and doctors and engineers. And all these new yeah, interests were starting to create a gap between me and my parents because it was just a sort of source of a lot of clash because it was just like, who are you? Who is this person? And so, yeah, it was just a big contrast between private school life and my life back home. But if there was one thing that both my private school life and my life back home, my parents, could agree on is that I'm becoming a lawyer. That's it. There's no room for purpose. This is the plan. You're doing it. And at that stage, I was really good at following the plan. So I, I, I continued to excel in private school, got into this really good um, university, great law program, amazing, right? So I'm following the plan. Great. So at so now that I'm in law school, I suppose I have to figure it out like what type of lawyer I'll become. But at that stage, I was also starting to be a bit annoyed or perhaps this underlying anger of like, I feel like people are telling me what to do and I don't really get to do what I want to do, you know? And which takes us then to my first class of criminal law. And I remember that this professor was going on and on about a day in the life of a criminal defense attorney, you know. And I remember just being remotely, like mildly interested because one thing that I had also absorbed from private school was a bit of entitlement, perhaps, a bit of a snobbish vibe. And I was like, ah, criminal law? Uh, no, I would do international law. I would do corporate. I am above this. And this professor just went on and on, blah, blah, blah. And then he went on this route of, okay, um, criminal law is not for the weak. And criminal, criminal law is for the tough. And criminal law is definitely not for gay people. What? Okay, I might have to become a criminal defense attorney just to prove you wrong. <laughs> and that's how it went, really. And um, turns out it, I can be that petty, that's one thing. And, but also it turned out that criminal law is a fascinating subject, which I really connected with and I really enjoyed. And it was amazing. I went, wow, okay, never thought this would be the case, but we're here now, so that's it. Um, right, so I suppose I have to start to get some experience under my belt and yeah, try and get, get, get an internship in the criminal justice system if this is going to be my path, right? And so I did. My first internship was at a penitentiary unit in southern Brazil. And that's when a lot started to change for me. So as weeks progressed in this internship, um, I came to see and realize that I looked like everyone in there. 
except the people working there. So my narratives, my context, where I came from, my skin tone, everything matched the people locked up in there. And that started to really uh, bring it home for me because, well, first I got to understand my parents' plan, right? And I got to understand which they knew that the big plan of me and my brother becoming criminal defense attorneys, there was also, there was, there was always a secondary plan because uh, when we were born, the plan that was in place for us was that we had a high chance of ending up in, in that penitentiary. And so my parents uh, took on, well, took upon themselves this and created this other plan in which we would walk in the penitentiary through the front door. And we did. And also, one, another thing that I came to realize was that my parents always knew that there was this gap growing between us. And um, it was a risk that they were willing to take if we were going to go ahead with this big plan that they had, you know. And just getting in touch with all these realizations and this... Yeah, in this moment, it also came with realizing that I had a mission and a role to play in there. Um, and that's what ignited something in me. So I now felt like I had the responsibility and the duty, really, to advocate for my own community and to join the voice in Brazil that would try and shake the structures that make this a reality, that make my community being overrepresented in the criminal justice system. And that just, yeah, brought me back, like just gave me energy and brought me back to life and ignited me to do that work, you know? And it, it went really well. It went amazing. Like we, I graduated law school. I, uh, yeah, I passed my lawyer's bar exam. I got a job as a criminal defense attorney inside that same penitentiary unit. I interned first and things are going great. Well, amazing. Amazing. So life happens, you know, things change, we all know. And um, I met this Australian guy and we fell in love and we had our civil union. We decided to move to Australia. And so we did. And this was, yeah, almost six years ago. And um, when I got here, I couldn't practice law anymore because, of course, law is the law of the country. And I had to leave that behind, not just my profession, but my, my calling, my mission, all that. And it was something that I, yeah, struggled with because I just, I, because it was something so important to me. So I wanted to get back to that. But it was really hard because sometimes I would try and, okay, I'll apply for this job for in that has to, not a really lawyer job, but it is in the criminal justice system. Maybe I'll try and get in this way, but then I would never get a call back. And so I thought, well, maybe I have to have an Australian qualification. So I would um, apply for like a postgrad or a qualifying course here and I would get accepted, but I wouldn't have the funds to go through with it because of course, migrant story, you know, you roll with the punches and yeah, there wasn't the funds to go through with it. And yeah, it was, it was hard. So like throughout all my journey in Australia, there was always that thing missing, that thing lacking for me. Which then takes us to last year. So last year, a couple of days before lockdown hit, I was, um, well, my relationship came to an end. It wasn't working anymore. And so I went from that 
is straight into full isolation, living by myself, lockdown. So now, not only I didn't have my my purpose, my profession, now I didn't have my partner, I didn't have my family, I didn't have my country, I couldn't just hop on a plane, on the plane and go back home. So I felt like everything was falling apart, really, in my life, and I didn't feel... I just fell into a hole because I couldn't just seem to have the energy to tackle any of these things in my life anymore. And I, w I was struggling. I was in a, I was in a really bad uh, mental health space. And throughout all of that, my brother has always been a constant in my life, right? So he, we've always video chatted, uh, even before he was cool, even before the pandemic. And he's always been a constant in my life. And throughout this uh, tough time, he was always there for me. And I think it reached a point where he couldn't see me miserable anymore. And so he came up with this plan, right? So in one of our video chats, he went, hey, how about we start this research group? I can tell that we, that, that, well, you used to be such a good criminal defense attorney. I realized we've been reading the same books. So at this time in the pandemic, we realized we, realized we were reading the same light stuff, you know, like mass incarceration, over-representation of marginalized communities, you know, just chill, relaxing, pandemic stuff. And um, so he went, you, you were so good before. We're reading the same stuff. Let's put this together and let's put some structure around it and we're going to catch up every so often and you're going to have something to look forward to. You're going to have something to drive you. And it worked. It worked so well. I found myself engaging with that and connecting with that so much. So we started writing these articles, pitching them, like excited to read all this stuff. And it's been such a, an amazing journey. So that research project developed into a second research project. So now we're not just talking to lawyers, we're talking to social workers, we're talking to people in the arts and broadening this discussion of social impact and the criminal justice system. So it's been really monumental in my life and it brought me back to life. And it also, yeah, gave me the energy to go around and do the work with everything else, you know? And I'm just so um, grateful for it, how incredible my brother's presence has been because he really did pull me out of that hole I was in. And it's all because he was able to see that spark that was dormant for so long and he was able to reignite it just like that. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Centre for Stories is a not-for-profit organisation with charitable status. Our team is small and nimble and we love what we do. To help us continue doing what we love, consider a small donation. You can donate at centreforstories.com.